Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Tuesday, February 6th episode of Locked on Cavaliers. I'm Chris Manning, your host from FearTheSword.com. I'm here today with a two-part episode. First up, you have a Facebook live chat where I talk about potential trades, the issues the Cavs are facing, what type of deals could make an impact. That is up first, 50 minutes or so, and as always, you can submit questions for the future Facebook Lives to at LockdownCavs at gmail.com. And then secondly, a breakdown of a fake Cavs-Hawks trade with Brad Rowland from Lockdown Hawks. Uh, hope you guys enjoy that and, and the mechanics of what that deal might look like and what a deal could look like for the Cavs and how they're evaluating their assets. Tomorrow will be a Cavs Magic recap, Thursday Cavs Wolves recap, and then Friday a full trade deadline recap. Subscribe on iTunes, find us on Spotify, leave that 5 rating and review, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. You are Locked On Cavaliers, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Cavaliers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Facebook? My name is Chris Manning. I am the site manager at fearthesword.com here talking to you about the NBA trade deadline, the drama surrounding the Cleveland Cavaliers, the their recent bad play, everything you want to know about this Cavs team, I am here to chat with you about. So if you have questions, drop them below. I will answer them and uh, make sure you share this, like this. If, you, if you're a fan of this live chat, please Show it some support um, and drop your questions. We can talk about trade deadline, the bad defense, whatever you guys want to talk about, I am here to talk about. We'll start, though, with a question I got via email. Um, if you want to have future questions dropped and have them submitted ahead of time, drop me an email at lockdowncavs at gmail.com or tweet me at lockdowncavs, and I will put it in the queue, and every time I do one of these, empty out the mailbag, it'll be there. So the first question I have uh, comes via email from Jam- Jamil Noel. So he has this trade scenario that I'm going to run through and, t- and, and break down. Um, he said, this scenario makes sense for both teams. Cavs trade J.R. Smith, Amon Shumpert, Channing Fry, and the Brooklyn Nets 2018 first-round pick. That, of course, is the the, the pick the Cavs most uh, have covoted last summer in, in acquiring uh, Isaiah Thomas and everything for for one Kyrie Irving. That is their, their crown jewel asset. Um, and, and in return... For trading that, the Cavs would get Rudy Gobert and Rodney Hood. And so Jamil's justification is this. The Cavs would get a high draft pick to pair with Donovan Mitchell and an expiring contract standing for and possibly Montchambert if he opts out. The Cavs get two young athletic defenders. Gobert is a potential all-star, and Rodney Hood is an upgrade over J.R. Smith. The Cavs get quicker, younger, more athletic, and this will help cover by Isaiah Thomas's defender's shortcomings. Hood is a good 3-and-D player. So... A couple things about this deal. For one, I don't think Rodney Hood is... is calling Rodney Hood good um, is... It's not my favorite definition. I think he's fine. I think he's a decent player you can bet on. Um, and you can quibble about that. And the other thing about this deal, before we get into the why the Jazz would not do this, is, for one, you have to add in another salary. So you have this in over an extra million dollars or so to make the deal work. You you can also you know the Cavs could take it Rodney Hood into into their Richard Jefferson trade exception uh, to make the deal to to kind of fit his salary and and not take on any tax for it, 
but the Jazz do have to send over another salary. So whether that's Raul Nato, Tony Bradley, someone on the edge of their roster that makes over a million dollars would have to go to Cleveland as well to make the deal work. And then the Cavs could cut them, you know, essentially, if they don't want to keep them. But the Jazz are not going to do this because Rudy Gobert is the type of player you hope to ever get a chance to get with the number nine pick and, and or a lottery pick. He's... He's someone that is a defensive player of the year candidate perennially. He is a good offensive player. He, he's a star, basically. He's their best player. And him and Donovan Mitchell is the foundation in Utah going forward. Um, I, I think if you if you want to, if this was deeper in his contract, if the Cavs had multiple picks offer, I think they'd be more willing to do it. But I think they don't want any part of that J.R. Smith money. I, you know, I think uh, Channing Fry is, is a good, gets off you some money, but... How much is that worth for them when they're when you're giving up Gobert and Amon Schumper is probably up thinking so then you're stuck with paying over the same situation the Cavs are in it in paying those two guards over twenty million next season and that Nets pick is not guaranteed to get you anyone as good as Gobert so I think that the Jazz hang up on the Cavs Franklin I think the Cavs would would do this you get Gobert you get Hood you have to pay Hood this summer but you get Gobert um, and, and you you roll with that monster in the middle and you feel a lot better about your defense but. I think this is this is a, a fun idea. I think it is something highly, highly um, unlikely to happen in between now and, and the trade deadline. Uh, but I, I understand the fun of, of going for those big deals, frankly. But uh, first question we have is uh, Dewan Jackson asked, do you think the Cavs trade for somebody? I think 100% the, the Cavs team you see right now is something that I think they're going to make a deal. Um, I don't know whether that's going to be a star. I, I think that's pretty unlikely. Or if it's a solid role player, if it's a multiple solid role players, I don't know exactly yet. It's it's too early to say. We don't know what that, the status of that Nets pick is going to be or anything like that. But I, I think it is very clear that this Cavs team, this front office, is going to make some kind of deal. We know they've made offers for guys like DeAndre Jordan. We know that they have talked a little bit with other teams about other players. You know, they've talked vaguely with the Hornets about Kemba Walker. What that means exactly, I don't know. But they've, they've talked and they're out there and they're going to make a deal. I, I don't think they're satisfied with, with the current state of the roster by any stretch of the imagination. I know that from talking to people as well, that, that they're not thrilled with where things are at. I, I very much believe this Cavs team is going to make a deal. I'd be shocked if they didn't. I'd be shocked if they didn't honestly make a couple deals. But, but we'll see what they do. It's still largely up in the air. You know, we're only a couple days away. It's 3 p.m. Eastern time on, on Thursday. The trade deadline will pass, and we will see what happens. But I, I'd be shocked if this team did not make a deal, frankly. Uh, Matt Lanzarandis. Laz, Lanz Andres, sorry. Uh, what position they're lacking? Um, I think they're lacking a little bit of everything. I think you could argue they need more shooting. I think, um, I think they are lacking front court depth. I think they, they, they have no real rim protector. I think they're thin up front right now because of Kevin Love's injury. Because Ante Zizic is not an NBA player right now. Um, I think they could probably upgrade a point guard. I, you know, I, I think it's totally conceivable. That they could get a better fit for this team and a better player right now than Isaiah Thomas. I think that's certainly possible. Um, I think this team is lacking a little bit of everything. I think you have LeBron, you have Kevin Love when he's healthy, you have some other good guys, but I think they could upgrade anywhere and feel good about it. Whether that's at, on the wing, I think 
um, which, which James E. Powell just said what's going to kill them is the lack of perimeter defense. You know, I think that is, is something that I think they, they should address. I know, know how do you balance that with um, how do you balance that with with not getting guys who can't shoot? That's that's an issue. Um, but I, I think everything. But I would start on the wing, and and if you could get a Dwayne Dedman, um, I would be good with that. If you're the Cavs, you get a backup guy like that. That would be something I'd be good with if I was them. Uh, just to clear something up real quick. Vernon asked, "What is your affiliate with the team as far as far I think you mean instead of fast as connections and info?" So I cover most home games. Um, as a credentialed reporter. I know people in the front office that I've talked to. I'm not going to tell you sources because that's not what we do as reporters, but I'm a, I'm a journalist. Um, I cover the team. I talk to people. I interview people. I do my job. Pretty simple. Um, so uh, Alex Grumsa asked, what if Jetty is traded? You know, it's not the end of the world if Jetty is traded. Um, Jetty is someone I really, really like. Jetty Osman is the Cavs' best young prospect since LeBron came back. He's much better than Eddie Tavares, much better than the rehabilitation prospect that was Larry Sanders, much better than Kay Felder, who's now a two-way player with the Detroit Pistons after he didn't stick um, in Chicago. I th- I think he's someone they want to keep. I think they're they're he's someone you'd want to have in a rebuild. But I mean, if we get you Paul George, which is not going to happen, I think you probably give him up. But I, I'd be surprised if they traded Jetty. But I I I don't think he's untouchable. I think there's one guy really that's untouchable. Maybe maybe two if you because Wade's probably not getting traded if LeBron's here. But I, I think most everybody else could be in play if you found the right deal. Um, Landry Smith asked, is there any chance they bench IT and just roll with Calderon? At least their offensive rating was higher with him. And, and I think Landry has a point there that they just kind of function better with, with Jose Calderon. I, I don't think so. I think you, you get Isaiah and you know what he was last year. I think you have to push for that. I think in a in a perfect world, maybe you could just play Jose Calderon and, and not really worry about IT. But I think in the situation, you have to try to make IT happy. And, and you have to make him work because the upside for him is so much higher now. Maybe he's gone by Thursday, right? Like maybe he's on a different team um, come Friday, come Thursday night, Friday morning. Maybe that's the case. But I think I think it is going to be the team's starting point guard as long as he's around, unless he gets hurt again. I think if you're looking at, at something to to be honest, I think if you want to look at where Jose has a legit, I think a legitimate gripe to be ahead of someone is he's probably should, in my mind should be ahead of Derrick Rose. I, I think if you look at how he doesn't commit turnovers, he knows where he's going. He doesn't hijack the offense. I think he fits better as a backup point guard than Rose. And I don't think either of those guys is going to be a a playoff rotation piece. I don't think either of them are, are going to see time in the finals. But I think until you get there, I think Jose is a better, a better choice. Uh, Charles Nicolau writes, nothing other than the Brooklyn pick is bringing back an impact player. And I think this is a fair argument. Now, I think you could get... If you listen to the full version of the this uh, chat, there'll be a, a recorded audio version only up tomorrow on the Lockdown Cavs podcast feed. There's an uh, edition where I talked about a theoretical Dwayne Dedman trade um, with Brad Rowan from Lockdown Hawks. And I, I think someone like Dedman that can shoot threes and protect the rim would, would be a big help. But if you're looking at someone that's really going to elevate you to the, the Warriors level, it would be the Nets pick. But there's also the argument that I think that moment has passed. You're not getting Paul George now. You're not. The Marcus Cousins wasn't going to be available and is hurt, is out for the year. 
that guy is off the books. Um, there's no one else out there I think you can get realistically with that Nets pick that's going to change your fortunes. Maybe Kimba Walker at, at point guard makes a big difference if they did that. Maybe some, maybe they're not going to do DeAndre, but maybe something else, some other guy that we don't haven't talked about yet becomes available. That's possible. It's, it's not a slim chance, but I think possible. Things are crazy in the NBA. Maybe that pick is beloved by somebody. But I think there's an argument for me that Charles is right in, in saying that the Nets pick is going to bring back the type of impact player the Cavs really, really need. Uh, Kennard Green asks, so who do you think is likely to go, and do you think the trade might be able to fix uh, the playoff run for the Cavs? So we'll start with the latter part of that question. Um, I think I think it, it should if they make the right deals, it could stabilize them. I don't think it fixes everything, but I, I think you could get to a position where things become more normal and they just function better. Um, depends on who they get. I don't think anyone they get is going to fix all of their issues, but I think they could fix some. I also, I, I think the the guy's likely to go, you could look at Chumper, there's where he's healthy and they're not playing him. You know, I, I, we know they've been trying to move on from Tristan and, and uh, Tristan and J.R. Smith's contracts. That's, that has been out there, um, that they try to trade those guys to, to the Clippers for DeAndre. I think those are sort of the likely guys. I, I think Shumpert is the most likely guy to kind of be included, and maybe Channing Fry as well, but I think he's less expendable now than he was, say, a week ago. Um, so I, I think that that is out there, but I, I think the, the what you're really looking at is is Amon Shumpert probably being a goner if they can find the right deal. They already kind of told him and Channing they are going to be traded. That, that, that happened. I can tell you that for a fact. And... Those, I would start with those guys. Look outward. Yeah. Uh, Vernon asks, what about a two-for-one trade with the Brooklyn pick? Any talk on that? Well, I mean, I think you, you it depends that you have to attach players as well. Like, you have to, the, because of where the Cavs are at with salary, the, the salary stuff gets complicated. So if they're going to take, if they're going to get one guy out and get two guys back, are you going to get two role players back? Are you, are you good with that? Um, I, I don't know if they are. I, I think that, the, the money stuff just gets so complicated because the Cavs are so capped out that the the, the the higher level of guy you want that's making more money, the high, the more uncomfortable these trades get in terms of who you're trading and what other teams might want. Shumpert and, and Channing Fry is your clearest path to getting $17 million in a trading in the, in the conversation for somebody high paid. Um, and that's where you do a two-for-one with the Nets pick. But I don't know who that is. Um a friend's Salkaido asks, "What about how about Kemba with Dwight?" So I like the idea of Kemba a lot. He is someone who is only make he's under contract through next year at twelve million. That's a very affordable salary. He's someone who would be, I think, an upgrade over it. I think I would not want Dwight. I I, I get the idea of Dwight, but I I don't think he's upgrading two hundred now. If you're trading with the Hornets, I would go for. Nick Batum, who the, the Charlotte really wants to get off that contract, and I feel weird about that contract, and I don't think the Cavs like that contract. It's making a lot of money um, over the next few years. I think um, if you look at um, some of the other pieces, I think you have Michael K. Gilchrist, who can make some sense. I think you have a bunch of other wings. Marvin Williams could be someone they go after, but I, I think those are sort of the, the types. I would go after those guys and, and not Dwight. I don't think Dwight helps all that much. Uh, the last question I'll take 
Uh, well, real quick, Devin uh, Gruler, did the Clippers decline trade for Jordan and Jarrett Smith and Tristan Thompson? Yes, that that they turned down that deal as far as as far as I know and as far as other reporting I've seen goes. Um, and lastly, James D. Powell, why are the Clippers hanging out to Jordan? I think they're holding on for a high price. I think this is a team looking to get a return and and not take money back. So they don't want Tristan's contract. They don't want Jarrett Smith's contract. I think they're looking for something that can help them rebuild. Maybe also compete, but primarily rebuild. And maybe they're maybe I think they'd rather let him walk um, than take on Tristan Thompson and Jarrett Smith's salary than than take on just to make to get rid of him. I I think you trade him with a purpose, and and that's what they're doing. So that's gonna be it for this live chat. You can check out a full version um, in audio form tomorrow on Lockdown Cavs with a little edition of a fake trade. You'll have recaps on the podcast tomorrow with uh, on Wednesday morning of of Cavs and Magic, and then Thursday of Cavs Wolves. Um, trade deadline recap on Friday. We'll do a live chat right when the deadline happens on Thursday. And we'll we'll break it all down. Fearlessword.com will be your home for all of that. Um, you can find me on Twitter at CWMWrites. And you can find the pod on Twitter at Lockdown Cavs. And follow Fear the Sword on Twitter at Lockdown, at Lockdown Cavs. Uh, and f- at Fear the Sword for Fear the Sword. Uh, like this page. Get notifications for when we go live next time. I'm Chris Manning. And we will talk to you again on our next live chat. You are Locked On Cavaliers, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Cavaliers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, I am Chris Manning from Locked On Cavaliers. And I am Brad Rowland from Locked On Hawks. So as part of the lead up to the NBA trade trade deadline, uh, we are going to do a little mock trade. Some of the other uh, podcasts are doing this as well, but Brad and I came to an agreement uh, the deal would send Dwayne Dedman, the center, uh, from, and from Atlanta to Cleveland for Amon Shumpert, the Cavs' 2018 first-round draft pick with no protections, uh, which which was a sticking point in negotiations for, for a minute there, and then the 2020, I believe, Miami Heat second-round pick that the Cavs own. Um, Brad, I just, we'll start with you on this. Why, did, why was this, the offer I made to you, acceptable for, for Dedman? It's interesting. I think uh, Devin is a player that is, uh, you know, very interesting, very positive in a lot of ways. But, uh, you know, sort of the expectation, at least on my end and for a lot of people in Atlanta, is that he's going to opt out. He has a player option for next year. And if he's going to plan on doing that, which I think everybody kind of assumes that he will, you know, that makes him an expiring contract. And for a team like the Hawks that isn't really going anywhere this season, you know, that kind of makes him a pretty uh, expendable piece. Um, obviously, you know, taking on um, Shumpert's contract is not exactly ideal, but, you know, the Hawks are in the market for assets and Shump's contract is only, only one more season. And, uh, you know, by all, by all means, I can't imagine the Hawks trying to compete next year. So taking on that money to get that, that extra asset in the first round pick uh, kind of makes sense. And then to sort of sweeten it a little bit more with that, uh, that future second rounder, because as you well know, uh, the Cavs don't have a whole lot of second round assets uh, in the next couple of years. They've kind of mortgaged those uh, in, in, in attempts to uh, stay relevant recently. But I think that's sort of the, uh, the balancing act there, because I'm not sure that, you know, the first round pick, is quite enough to offset Chump's money for next year when you factor in that Devin's obviously a positive asset now, but it sort of bridges the gap with that extra asset. And, uh, you know, for the Hawks, uh, you know, looking forward versus now, it kind of makes sense for them. From from my end of this, I, I think some people will say, why did you give up a first-round pick for Dwayne, Dwayne Dedman? And I, I will say this. I am under the – if I was the Cavs, the Cavs' front office, I would be working in the reality that I think you have to – 
consider going as far in as you can on LeBron this year. Now, now I think the Nets pick is, is its own category of asset, but I think with this first round pick for next year, it's not likely going to be a late first round. Um, the Brad may know better may know better than me, but from what I've read, that doesn't seem like that's going to be a, a real hot spot for the draft. And yes, you can get your Kyle Kuzma's and and that type of guy then, but it's not that is not the norm. That is that is the abnormal uh, pick you get late in the first round. When I look at Deadman, he's in the prime of his career. I don't really mind that he can opt out of his contract because um, based on what we know from how the Cavs are approaching this, they don't want to take on any long-term money. He's a good rim protector, something the Cavs desperately need, and he can hit, and he can hit th- and he's, and he's hitting threes this year. And Brad, you can speak to how real it is uh, compared to, to more than I can, but looking at his basketball reference page, 1.8 attempts per game, he's shooting 38.3%. And, and if he, even if he can do that occasionally, I feel good about a guy that can protect the rim, is athletic, and can maybe play 15, 20 minutes tonight, especially compared to the other options out there. When you look at trading for DeAndre Jordan, when you look at acquiring Nerlens Noel, I feel much better about Deadman, uh, not just in terms of what he does, but on price point as well. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not sure that 38% is real with Deadman, and obviously before this year he was not really a three-point shooter at all, but you know, just looking at his stroke and you know talking to people around the Hawks, they think it is real. They, they saw something on tape somewhere and uh, were encouraged and basically encouraged him to step out and do that. And he looks very smooth doing it. The shot looks like it's a shot that would be a, an effective jumper, even though it was sort of a, uh, a secondary thing when the Hawks acquired him. So, yeah, I think it's I think it, the shooting is real. And, you know, the rim protection is definitely real as well. And he's, he's mobile. Uh, he's able to sort of play in space a little bit. He's not this, uh, you know, fantastic athlete, but he's not, he's not a guy who's a complete stiff either. He can certainly help the Cavs. And listen, I mean, he's, for my money, the best, uh, the best at least of, of the guys who are on the market, the best asset the Hawks have to trade right now because they have a couple of other expiring contracts. But Deadman is the best player of those guys. And, uh, you know, the Hawks should certainly look to market him as because of just where they are in the uh, in the calendar. But at the same time, he's a very good player. Some context on this hypothetical trade. Um, per some reporting that we saw come out on Monday, we know that three teams are interested in Dwayne Deadman. That one of them is not the Cavs. That, that doesn't mean they're not. But uh, per the Sporting News, the Thunder, the Bucks, who have since acquired Tyler Zeller, and the 76ers have all expressed some interest in in Deadman. Uh, the Cavs also already owe a first round pick to the Atlanta Hawks. It is one through ten protected, I believe, in 2019. So yes. And, and that that and it's uh, and I believe it turns into second round picks uh, after that. It's one more year. I think it's 2019 and 2020. They're both top 10 protected, and it turns into seconds after 2020. So LeBron's future has a lot a lot to say about what that's going to look like going forward, depending on what he does and, and then how, what the Cavs decide to do in a post-LeBron world. If not, that pick certainly is going to convey next season. But th- this is another first-round pick the Cavs will owe Atlanta. Um, and, I, and I again, I think if you look at what other options are out there for the Cavs, and let's, let's look exactly at Atlanta – one of the versions of this deal Brad and I talked about was the Cavs getting Marco Bellinelli and and giving up a little bit and giving up training for Isaac's wearing. I was very hesitant to do that, and maybe that's redundant considering you have uh, Deadman coming in. But I I, I want to keep on keep Fry right now with the injury to Kevin Love just because I don't trust playing Anthony Cizic and I don't really think Bellinelli helps the Cavs that much. And and some of the other people wondered, okay, could the Cavs get Kent Bazemore? The money on a, on a Kent Bazemore to Cleveland deal especially because I don't know how willing the Cavs would be to take on Bazemore's salary if LeBron were to leave, considering you know Dan Gilbert doesn't want to pay the tax and all of that. I, I think that, that that's a bit harder to do, and then you're just starting to match salary, that which and the Cavs don't have any short-term salary as high as Bazemore. So I, to me, Bazemore just seems like an unrealistic thing for these two teams to talk about. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean I'm sure it's not. Uh, I mean, he, he would help the Cavs in a lot of ways, but at the same time, Taking on two years and 37 million after this year, 
for Bazemore is a risk to be sure. Like if you didn't have LeBron, you would not want that contract on your books. And I, and I'm actually a huge defender of Cantor. I think he's a very useful and good player that just happens to be slightly overpaid. But at the same time, if you're, if you go into, into a rebuilding mode, like the Cavs almost certainly will, if they lose uh, LeBron, you do not want to have uh, Bazemore on your con- on your contract necessarily. And, you know, you, you could probably come to a deal that included, you know, Fry and Shump, something like that to get to Bazemore. But I'm just not sure uh, what kind of tracks that would, that would actually get. So I think, I think that makes more sense. Uh, short-term money, less risk for the Cavs. And uh, on the Hawks side, uh, I think the uh, the impetus to get rid of Bazemore isn't quite as strong as he is playing well right now. And, you know, there, there's no reason for the Hawks to sort of take uh, take it on the head necessarily to uh, get rid of Bazemore right now. They don't need to be paying assets to get rid of them because they're in that place where next year this cap space doesn't really mean all that much to them. They, you know, the Hawks do have third, three first-round picks already. So this, this would be four first-round picks for the Hawks plus their uh, plus their own second-round picks. So they, they basically would have five of the top, you know, 35 picks which I, I know is a kind of a weird reality when you're setting and talking about the Hawks. But if you're Travis Schlenk, you probably just want a bunch of swings and you have some assets to uh, move up and down the draft. You want to do that too. So I, I understand probably Hawks fans will be recoiling a little bit at the, at, at having five of the top 35 necessarily. But I think it's uh, you know, it's probably the best way to add, uh, add assets and add capital. And that's probably the best way to do that. We'll wrap it up on this, Brad. You, when you see, let's say in, in a vacuum, the Cavs actually do acquire, acquire Zedman and he, and, and whether he's a rental or whether they, they keep him beyond the season whether LeBron stays or not, that that's down the line. But you look at the next few months of the season with what we have know about this Cavs team. How do you, how much do you think he actually helps them? I think helps me. I think helps him considerably, just because really, really def- the defensive end of the floor. Obviously, I, I know you are probably litigating this on a daily basis right now, just how bad the Cavs have been defensively. But you know, them is not this like trans you know, this transcendent defensive player. But I think he's certainly an above average defender at the position because he is mobile. He protects the rim. He's kind of always in the right place. You know, especially and I think he, I think he'd be definitely dialed in uh, on, on a Cavs team just because you know he's gone from he's going from playing with the Hawks with basically no chance at the playoffs to a Cavs team that's in the middle of the playoff race, even though obviously Cleveland isn't playing all that well at the moment. I think you get the best of Deadman for a small sample. He's playing for a contract, so he has every reason to be dialed in as well. And I think that would be a useful piece. You know, I think it's not like this game changing piece in a lot of ways, which I'm sure you'll hear about that after the fact, but you know, 15, 20 minutes, as you mentioned before, at the top of this thing, Devin would be a huge asset to the Cavs on the defensive end of the floor, and he doesn't really take anything off, off the table offensively, too, as long as he shoots like this. Yeah, I, that's that's my thinking behind it as well, that he can provide some needed rim protection, um, will certainly help while Kevin Love is out with that hand injury, but the, the deal, in case you, and just as a refresher, is Dwayne Dedman from Atlanta to Cleveland for Amon Shumpert, the Cavs is... 2018 first round pick with no protections i had originally asked for top 20 protections and then brad and i were like yeah that's that's not going to work considering everything else going on and and especially i think that first round pick that the Cavs already owe atlanta i think is a big reason why brad was not willing to take protections and then the 2020 second round pick from miami um let us know if you like that deal you can tweet at me at cwm rights and at lockdown Cavs. you can tweet at brad at at, at BT Roland and at Lockdown Hawks. And the deadline's going to be nuts. Maybe this will happen. Maybe it won't. But just consider this one option as we get closer to the deadline.